we're all pretty familiar with the use of plants for healing. Um, most of our history, the white history of Australia, goes back to Europe and um, the use of traditional herbs by um, monks and by um, witches, by other people, um, for the healing of the body. Um, but today, that has taken on a whole new meaning. The use of plants for healing can include the use of plants for the healing of the planet, the use of plants for the healing of our relations with Aboriginal people. Our understanding of plants and how they worked for Aboriginal people can break down barriers between us and Aboriginal people. So that's an important method of learning. The use of plants now, essences from plants in Australia, for the healing of the mind is being looked into. And also, importantly, the use of plants for the healing of the body. And one example is this garden here in Guymia Bay. It may look like an ordinary bush garden. To some people, it may look like a weed-infested garden. But in fact, there's very few weeds here. Um, just over a year ago or so, there were a lot of weeds here. It was mostly weeds. But now we've used native plants, the native plants that used to grow here, and we've brought them, them back. We've reintroduced them to the area and we're healing this area using native plants. Um, so that's a good example of us healing the planet. Um, at the same time, while we're doing this, we're starting to learn that a lot of these plants have values, um, values to us and to our bodies, to our minds. They contain essences, essences that heal the body, essences that heal the mind. And as, as such, we're learning about how Aboriginal people use them. So therefore, we're providing the impetus for reconciliation between us and Aboriginal people. All of those things are very important for healing. And they all are included in the process of the healing in the of the planet. All right, well, there's um, a, a lot of obvious connections between the way we use herbs and the way Aboriginal people use herbs. But there's also a lot of very important differences. and. Um, Firstly, they're using indigenous plants. They're using plants which are growing within the natural environment. And that's why we're trying to put back here the original vegetation that grew here once upon a time that Aboriginal people used. Um, that's the process of healing the earth, the healing the environment, the habitats. But what we want also is plants that are far more suited to our climate and far more suited to our soil types and therefore are going to grow and utilize nutrients in a healthier way and therefore when we use them they will provide us with the full value of, of those nutrients and in, in many cases essential oils, essences and a myriad of things that native plants contain that we're only just learning about because we're only just starting to listen to Aboriginal people. Um, we can point out just in this little bit of revegetated bushland here a number of examples. Um, but firstly, just to cover um, some of the, the similar groups of things and the way they were used by Aboriginal people. Um, things like um, making um, infusions, um, drinks with particular leaves, um, smoking, um, inhaling essences, um, a, a range of um, of ways that are familiar to us but perhaps a different way is to perhaps take plants and tie the actual plant around the head and, and inhale the essences that way whilst also applying pressure to the head to relieve pain and we've got some good examples of that here um, 
also the use of actual food and fruits and, and, and plants as part of your diet, but in that diet that is included in your medicinal, in the medicinal value. Um, so you might say eat particular fruits which are particularly high in vitamin C. Um, you might use particular leaves which are high in vitamin C. Um, and that they're included daily in your diet and we can show you some examples of that here in the garden. Um, that's something that we seem to have lost perhaps the connection and the importance of diet and um, the use of plants um, as part of your di daily diet and intake to um, provide good health. Um, I think that's one of the most important things that um, Aboriginal people have, have shown me and uh, that we seem to have completely lost the value of and also the, the, the um, emphasis on freshness and the use of plants daily from your garden or from the bush um, and the use of fruits. Um, for instance, if you found fruits on the ground, Aboriginal people would call that mitibara. That, that means dog food. You don't eat those, those fruits. You leave it for the animals um, because they've lost some essential vitamins and nutrients that um, were not considered worth um, consuming. Uh, they were considered worth consuming, I'm sorry, but um, once the fruit had fallen from the tree, they actually lost those, that, that freshness and that vitality that we need. So um, we can talk about plants and show you some examples of that here in this garden. But um, perhaps that's um, some differences that um, Aboriginal people have shown exist between um, their past and our past. And perhaps we've lost the connection um, in that in the, the importance that should be placed on um, the um, daily diet as part of our well-being and our health. Uh, now that's a smell that we're all familiar with. In fact, um, the eucalyptus, or the gum tree, um, was considered by one of the first botanists in Australia, one of the early botanists of Australia, as being um, beneficial to all people who breathed it in. So Australia was actually seen as being a place that was healthy to live in because the air was full of the exhalation from eucalypt trees, gum trees, the oils that they exhale um, provide a, a smell and a scent that is unique to Australia and um, as such it was seen as being the fever tree, the cure for all fevers. Um, it provides far too many uses for me to stand here and talk about. Someone could write a book about it, in fact someone should write a book about the use of eucalyptus oil. Um, some of them are very dangerous in fact because the trees contain cyanide in the leaves and so some of them are very toxic um, but on the other hand some are completely free from cyanides and the, the, the leaves can be used to make teas without any problem at all but the trick is like with most of Aboriginal knowledge you have to know exactly what species to use of this particular tree so if you're talking about the eucalypt there's 700 different species of eucalypt in Australia so therefore you really need to know which plant to use and what to use it for. Um, but generally, if you're using the oil from the leaf externally or to inhale or to smoke and to breathe in um, and to cleanse the body, then it's, it's generally used to cure all kinds of illness. So you can use any species for that, those problems when used externally. If you look closer at the tree, this is um, eucalyptus maculata or the spotted gum. Um, under the bark, it contains the inner bark or the gum, the red gum that you'll see oozing out, which is called kino. 
Now, we can't see that here because normally you'll see that on much older trees. This is a young tree, and the trees actually bleed this kino um, when they're attacked by insects. And so for the tree, it's its, it's way of healing um, against diseases, fungal attacks, insect attacks, but it also provides a clue for us because that kino in the spotted gum is actually a very good antibiotic and can be used to treat um, particular wounds in our body as it can with many other eucalypts um, used for, to treat diarrhea and a number of other ailments as well. I think the, the, abil the, the, the um, ability of um, animals and say Aboriginal people to determine which plants are toxic or not is indicated by the koala which can in fact eat um, approximately 50 to 60 um, different eucalypt species leaves. The spotted gum is one that the koala can actually eat. Um, but um, for us we need to be far more selective in what we do with eucalyptus oil um, um, when, when looking at using it internally or when you looking at using it externally. Okay, we're looking at, um, we're, we're lucky because we're filming this at the right time of year when there's a lot of native plants actually in flower, um, just coming into spring. Um, but the plant we're looking at here is um, a, a native climber and it's actually related to um, plants that occur in, in Europe um, and it's called Clematis glycinoides um, or headache vine and uh, the reason it contains an essence um, which you can simply take the leaf, you can crush it and you can inhale it to relieve headaches but that's probably not enough, you need more, you need, it needs to be taken in probably stronger doses um, so you might need to distill the essence from the leaf and then inhale it that way or as um, with, with the way Aboriginal people do it was to take this climber take the long canes or the long stem and wrap it tightly around the head around the forehead and do, in doing this it meant that they were putting pressure on their head as well as the pressure on the stem of the plant released the essence from the plant and that meant that um, they're actually inhaling some of the essence as well as ga gaining the, um, the, the pressure from the stem. So two ways of getting the full use of the plant and um, this plant actually had other uses as well. The, um, the leaves can be bruised and used to rub in areas that might be painful for um, say rheumatism. Um, you, might use to, you, you, you might crush the leaves, put them in a, um, a steam oven or a ground oven which, can, which would consist of a hole, rocks, heated rocks and then a lot of leaves and stems placed on those heated rocks. The person would sit in the middle of those, of, of what's called a, a bath or oven, a steam bath, and the leaves would then steam. Um, perhaps water was thrown on to provide a bit more steam and vapour, and that would help to cleanse the person and perhaps remove um, things like arthritis or, or, or help to um, alleviate the pain of arthritis. So there's a lot of very valuable essences that we can find in some of our indigenous species. Unfortunately, in some areas of Australia, particularly the south, we've lost a lot of the um, easy access to um, indigenous knowledge in Australia by not listening to indigenous people. Um, as a result, we've, we've missed the opportunity to, um, to learn far quicker about our environment, how to preserve it, how to live within it, and how to utilise the various herbs and essences and foods that are contained in natural environments within Australia. An example of this is the native hibiscus. This is an Australian hibiscus. There's over 50 different species of hibiscus within Australia. It's a plant that we all know 
and particularly on coastal areas most people are very familiar with. Um, the flowers are just as attractive as exotic hibiscuses, but some of them are very useful foods and also very useful medicines. Um, generally the inner bark was used with the northern species. We're not so sure about that with some of the southern species, unfortunately. But with the northern species, the inner bark, which is very fibrousy, contains a lot of fibre that can be used to make fishing lines, can be used to make string, all that sort of thing, but can also be scraped away and the, the sap from the stem and the fibre rubbed onto, onto to wounds to provide an emollient or something that is, is softening on the skin, so very good for the skin and for wounds. Okay, we're looking here at the wattle, um, and it's probably a plant that um, we're all familiar with, but perhaps one thing that we're not so familiar with is the multitude of uses that can be obtain, obtained from um, wattle plants. Um, Aboriginal people and their use of the wattle sort of indicated um, um, how well they can adapt to using a plant in numerous ways. Um, for instance, for food from the seed, um, a whole range of uses medicinally and all parts of the plant used medicinally. Also simply to obtain um, things like grubs from the roots, digging, obtaining grubs from the roots and of course medicines and the unique ways in which they used some of these plants for medicinal value can be shown by taking a plant such as this. This is Acacia ulicifolia or called prickly moses and maybe there's a connection there in that common name the value of this plant and its medicinal um, sort of cures. Once again though in the north there's a plant that contains far more beneficial um, medicinal factors in, in the way that I'm going to show you how to use this plant uh, and we're not so sure about the connection between this plant and its relative in the north a, a very similar kind of plant with prickly leaves um, same sort of glo globular round flowers and the best way of using um, this particular kind of water was to take the, either the root um, grind it up, use it as a wash um, and apply it to sores and wounds on the body um, or to take um, the leaves, these little prickly leaves which people find when they're walking through the bush are constantly annoying them. Um, and some people, they even irritate them, but then that's one of the values of this plant. It's actually a counter-irritant. That means it may initially irritate the skin, but that can actually prove to be beneficial in the long run if it's taken in small doses. So um, we're gonna look at this plant. We're gonna take some of the spines off it and perhaps we can even get a close-up on what to do with them. You might find that you have warts on your skin. Um, I haven't got many of them, maybe it's because I've been using a plant such as this for a while, but they're not that easy to get hold of. They contain little spines in the tips and if you find a wart on your body you can actually stick about half a dozen of them into your skin Generally try and get the older ones because they'll stick into your body better. Okay, so we've taken off um, some spines from this wattle now. These wattles don't contain essential oils, but they do contain um, tannins and tannins are useful medicinally. They're, they're contained in a lot of Australian plants, tea trees, gum trees, um, 
most of Australian, uh, uh, many of Australian plants contain tannins, and wattles um, also are rich in tannins, and um, they can be used medicinally, as we mentioned about the roots of this plant being used, um, but also the value of this plant as a counter irritant to, pack, to actually irritate the skin, and perhaps that's what this is doing um, when you place these little spines in um, the, the, the tips of them into the wart. Um, if you play to place about half a dozen or so, and some Aboriginal people advocate actually breaking the tips off and leaving the little spines in the wart to actually um, get it to start activating. And um, that can be quite painful once they start to get inflamed, but that actually will treat the wart within a few weeks. You'll find that it'll get rid of them. Once again, there are better species than this. This is probably not the best example to use, but it's a good example to show you how Aboriginal people perhaps in the north have used um, indigenous wattles to, uh, as, as medicines and one of the unique ways that they've adapted to using plants. Okay, yeah, I know. There's lots of dead stuff on this plant, but there's nothing wrong with dead stuff. It's actually very essential to part of the bush and to the, the recycling of nutrients through the bush. So. This plant looks a bit tatty, but that's all right. We don't worry about that. We let that drop to the earth and actually feed this plant. It provides food for the plant. But when you look at this plant, aside from the, the tatty looking dead stuff, you might break a leaf off and crush it. And have a smell of that. It's incredible. You, you could swear that's a lemon tree or an orange tree or something like that because of the immense amount of oil that can be obtained from the leaves of this plant. This is a marginal rainforest plant. It's its common name is a lemon myrtle or Bacchausia citriodora and um, it, it contains exactly that, um, a, a lot of um, citru citru citronella. Um, anything that you use lemongrass for, you can use this plant for. Um, really rich in essential oils, it can be also used for a whole range of foods and teas, um, herbs which are good for the body, um, provide nutrients for the body. Um, but this one is, is wonderful to drink with a dash of honey, very good and relieving um, if, if you're feeling down, just simply as a pick-me-up. Um, a lot of these plants that contain high essential oils were used in exactly the same way by Aboriginal people, just simply soaking them in a coolerman, which is their little wooden vessel, um, leaving them overnight and then drinking the, um, the juice in the morning. And there's, there's thousands of plants in Australia that have perhaps the benefit um, to be used in such a way, and this is probably one of the um, one of the best, one of my favourites, certainly. Okay, so we're looking at um, a little plant that's in the lily family here. Um, you can see the blue flowers here that are very attractive. Um, it's called a, its common name is a grass lily. Um, its botanical name is Stipandra glauca. Um, it has a lot of beneficial uses when used as a rub on itches, on stings and bites, mosquito bites particularly, and it's very quick in, um, in acting in fact. And you can take these long stems and just mash them up, mash them up with a rock, grind them with a rock or with a mortar and pestle if you want. Um, and um, if you want you can add oil to it, um, make a good thorough mix and then just massage it into the itch or the bite or the sting and that works very quickly and it's very effective. And this is a good plant that's um, indigenous to the Sydney area once again um, and was used by Aboriginal people to, um, for exactly that. So marine stings as well, you might find it growing by the coast. Quite often you'll find plants growing 
um, in areas obviously where you might get certain animals that bite or mosquitoes or that sort of thing. So um, there's always a remedy around somewhere if you're willing to look and if you start to open your eyes and become aware about what's growing around you and what is indigenous to the particular area. They've all got some sort of use. One, one thing that we think about when we're talking about herbs is we generally think of oh, mints and basils and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So it's all very common to us, um, that sort of thing. But we forget that, in, and, and perhaps we're, we're completely unaware that in Australia we have a lot of things that are, are easily in comparison to those. Native lemongrasses, native basil, native mints and native mint bushes. And this is a mint bush that I'm looking at right here now. And if you smell that, you break it, have a good smell, and that's incredible. Really, really strong. You can even see, if you look at the leaves closely, they're actually dotted with tons and tons of oil glands. And this is related to, to lavender and to mint. It's in, in the same family. And it's called Prostanthra incisa. That's the botanical name. And the general name for these plants, the Prostanthras, is the mint bush. Um, this one's just about to flower now, and they're absolutely covered in flowers. So it's a wonderful garden plant from the start. But it's also got a lot of uses. Culinary, you can use it use it for a number of dishes, foods, whatever, um, but also as a rub, as a balm. Um, now, a number of um, the prostanta species are very toxic and were used in this, this um, way by Aboriginal people, for instance, to break the branches off, throw them into water. The emus would come along, drink the water, and it would actually stun them, or the fish would be stunned that were swimming near the plant and they would float to the surface. And once an animal's had a dose of this, then it's a bit toxic and the animal is a lot easier to catch. But um, the ones that were toxic were generally used for this sort of treatment. Um, the ones that aren't toxic um, can be used for us in a culinary sense and can also be used by us in a medicinal sense as well. And this, this plant is an example of that. But once again, you have to have that skill, that indigenous knowledge or that awareness of which species to use. And there are many species of prostanthra in Australia. So you have to be careful, you have to know what you're doing. I emphasise that strongly because we're just so unaware of so many things in the Australian bush at present and we've got so much to learn. Um, now, an example of using this in the desert, say prostanthus were used, um, ground up um, into a paste um, mixed with, say, goanna fat, um, and, um, but I, I'd emphasise using um, just olive oil or something like that, it'll have the same effect. Um, grind it up with olive oil, make it into a very strong smelling um, paste and then use it to rub on wounds, on sores, um, all that kind of stuff. Or to massage into the body, um, into areas where you might have blocked bronchial tubes or um, a, a heavy congested body um, and head, you can use it as a massage oil as well and it's really effective for that. And if you smell the plant, you know straight away that it's got a very strong oil content and a lot of essences in that oil and therefore a lot of um, potential to be used um, in, in our gardens and in our daily lives. Okay, we're looking at, um, at this plant here. Now, it looks pretty dead to most people, but um, to Aboriginal people and to us, this plant is very familiar. Um, we know it as lemongrass, um, lemon-scented grass, 
and it's used in Thai curries and a whole range of other things, in teas and that sort of stuff. But um, there's also a dozen or so species within Australia of um, native lemongrasses, and um, they've got the same strong smell. This one looks pretty dead, but if you look in there, the, the leaves are actually quite green. It's a desert plant. It's also a perennial that'll probably die down anyway, and um, and and regenerates very easily from seed. So there's no there's no problem um, anyway if it does die because it'll probably find little seedlings coming up everywhere. Okay, so we, the exotic name um, for lemongrass is Simbapogon citratus, but this is Simbapogon ambiguous, one of the native lemongrasses. Um, there are some species that occur around Sydney. This actually is a desert species and it's used by Aboriginal people just generally by pulling out the whole plant, drying the plant and then perhaps placing over a fire um, and then inhaling the smoke. It can be also used by taking the leaves, grinding the leaves up, mixing them with water um, and sipping just slowly a little bit every day for perhaps two weeks or so but not too much more than that. Um, too much citronella is probably not that good for you. Um, and also, um, this plant can, is, is very high in oil content. The leaves are very strong. If you have a smell of those leaves, instantly you'll recognise it as being lemongrass. And the benefit of these leaves is that you can take them and do something pretty disgusting with them if you like. You can stick them up your nose like that, as Aboriginal people did, and just inhale that like that. Looks pretty off, but very effective if you've got a cold, a head cold, or blocked um, body, whatever, that sort of, th those sorts of problems can be fixed using some of our native lemongrass species. And this is probably one of the best ones, Simbapogon ambiguous, one of the native lemongrasses, and very easy to grow, no problem at all. Um, but once again in cultivation, you won't find too many of these plants um, yet. I think this, this plant has an oil content of something like 3%, which is pretty high, it might even be more than that. Um, and these are being studied at the moment and, and utilised by Aboriginal people in the north um, for their benefits um, for all people. And we're also looking at their adaptability in cultivation as well and um, their possible potential to be used, you know, for people in gardens everywhere. Mmm, delicious. But it's poisonous, isn't it? That's what people would tell you. Once I heard someone tell me anything in the re in, that's red that you find in the Australian bush is poisonous. But if you took that philosophy, you'd probably starve to death because there's a lot of beautiful, succulent, sweet, maybe acid, red fruits that you can eat. Some of them, like this native raspberry here, also have medicinal benefits. But Aboriginal people, the philosophy they used was you could actually combine your food and use it as a medicine. So sometimes your fruits, such as um, some of your native raspberries, um, your green plums, kakadu plums, very high in vitamin C um, and used and eaten as such by the children, devoured very quickly any fruits that were found in the bush. Very important medicine because they provided vitamin C and other vitamins. Um, but like some of our exotic rubuses, the um, native, the, the raspberries or the blackberries, loganberries, all that sort of group. Um, we have a wide range of those in Australia. 
um, and they can be used as this one was to make raspberry leaf tea. So you can take the leaves, mix it with water and make your tea out of it and also used as a tonic um, or to treat people for diarrhoea in the um, in Aboriginal um, society. So you can have your fruit and you can eat it as well. This raspberry Rubus mulleri is the botanical name. Um, is actually very easy to grow. Fruits prolifically provides a good um, amount of um, leaf that you can use for tea and fruit that you can use as a dessert. So once again, we've got a plant that can be used as a food and has medicinal benefits and is exceptional to eat. Um, fantastic flavour, so I might just have another one. Okay, so I'm surrounded by medicines now, medicines and foods. Um, and that's one of the features of this garden here, um, the Aboriginal use of plants. And sometimes, sometimes it's, it's connected between um, Aboriginal usage and, and our usage. Um, we're starting to discover that plants such as uh, this solanum or kangaroo apple, which is solanum is in the, the tomato and potato family and a very common family that we use in our diets. But this plant actually contains steroids, and it's used, in, it's used to help in the manufacture of oral contraceptives. Um, so that's how we use it. Aboriginal people would use it um, more as a food, and, and from that food obtain medicinal value, um, generally using the fruit. Um, this plant here on the, the left here, the bleeding heart, um, the leaves were taken, crushed, and the juice of the leaf or the crushing of the leaf put into wounds or into bleeding wounds and helped to stop bleeding. Um, so these two plants, very good for healing, um, good for healing our relations with Aboriginal people if we learn about them, but also very important in the healing process and the regeneration of wasteland or if perhaps in a rainforest when a tree falls down, suddenly the light gets in there's a need for um, the canopy to redevelop in that rainforest. And so these two plants, very quick at colonising those light break areas in rainforest. And so we've used them here to try and do the same sort of thing, to try and heal this area that, as you can see behind us, was cleared and used to make a road. So two plants, very important in the process of healing the earth, healing the ecosystem, and healing our bodies as well. Okay, so we talked before about how you can find, um, wherever you are, you'll find the remedy. Um, perhaps, say, if you're on the coast and you get um, stung by a blue bottle, you might like to look around for um, a plant that can be used to um, actually cure the sting. So, um, two plants here that we're going to look at. Firstly, we'll look at this one. Um, if you do get stung by a blue bottle, this plant, or a crinum, or it's in the lily family, is um, very useful for um, actually getting the bulb and breaking up the bulb, putting, soaking the bulb in water and then using it as a emollient or as a cure for stings. So Aboriginal people had a very elaborate use for this plant. Um, it's very common along the coast in, in, in many different areas and there are a number of different species and all of them can be generally used um, for those sorts of treatments. So um, 
for an elaborate treatment, you might break up the bowl, chop it up into pieces, soak it for a day, and then come back and then use that to rub into wounds or into sores or onto sore skin, um, burnt skin, that sort of thing, and it can provide relief in pain and also a, as a healing um, mechanism for those wounds and sores. Um, also for marine stings, very good, an excellent medicine for that. Um, you find on the bulb, the round bulb under the soil, you'll get a very thin film of um, skin from the plant and this skin can be used to place on the wound and more or less be used as a bandage. Um, but that requires a lot of skill to use the plant in that way. On our right here, just back behind the sand dunes where this plant grows, you'll find lily pillies growing. Now this is the weeping lily pilly, grows in, a, in, in um, large stands in um, some of the remnant littoral rainforest areas of the north coast of New South Wales. Contains, once again, a good oil content in the leaf. Um, and this plant has the benefit of perhaps medicinal and food value. It is, is, um, has a fruit that tastes very much like a clove, a cross between a clove and an apple, and um, is, is a little bit spicy and very good for um, making sauces and things like that. But the fruit of most lily pillies can also be taken and, and made into a pulp and put into the ear to relieve earaches. Um, it's in the same family as the eucalypts, but this plant is the weeping lily pilly, Syzygium lamanii. And um, you can also get a bit of oil out of this, which can be used. You can smell the oil there now, but can be used in, um, for culinary purposes. It's definitely happening. Um, people have been studying um, uh, traditional use of plants in the Northern Territory recently quite um, astringently. So they've been documenting each particular plant um, and documenting the way Aboriginal people use it and then observing um, well, what kinds of chemical components does this plant contain that perhaps we can associate with that particular use. And they've made numerous connections now um, between that use and the way Aboriginal people use use and it and, and even in our medic, medical terms it does in scientific terms it does make sense um, to use the plant in that way so from that um, they're now starting to realize well hey um, you know these people are right there's 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 actually a lot of um, value in, in, in a lot of these plants and the got that's recognized in the Goss government who's now actually looking to patent certain plants in in Queensland for um, for um, medicinal value to, to ensure that if, the, if this um, genetic strain slips out of the country, then the country or whoever's using it has to pay the Goss government a certain amount of money in royalties. Unfortunately, the Goss government has taken that knowledge from Aboriginal people and perhaps that knowledge isn't, and, and that reward um, isn't going back to Aboriginal people or the benefits aren't going back to Aboriginal people. So maybe that, that, that sort of um, problem still has to be looked at and raised, um, but I, I think people are well aware now of the potential of um, native herbs and, and, and medicines, and some plants are, are already being used 
as such, but mainly grown in other countries where harvesting is very cheap, of, uh, the use of labour is very cheap. So say India are using some of our native pines and harvesting the sap from these pines, but the only reason they're doing it is because um, we're exploiting their cheap labour, which in my eyes is wrong, and we could be growing those plants here, all the plants grow here, we could be harvesting those sorts of things here. But um, some people see that as being uneconomic because of our high labour costs. So we have to overcome those sorts of problems as well. Some have been used, so have already been, um, uh, like the black bean has been looked at for um, study into AIDS. There's a smoke bush in Western Australia which is um, proving quite um, beneficial to people who are suffering from AIDS. Um, there's a lot of other examples of plants in, in, that Indigenous people use in other areas of the world that are being used for, for new for new their, their new cures basically. Um, and as yet, Australia very little of our um, of our flora has been looked at for um, research into some of our more common diseases and and um, yeah and ailments and that sort of thing. So that's only just starting to um, be untapped. A lot of our plants, particularly plants, some of the figs and other things that have milky sap, have actually got um, beneficial treatments for um, cancer. Um, and so they're being looked at for, for, for that, that sort of connection. But um, it, is, it is starting to happen, but we've only just scratched the surface yet.